just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hope all is going well with you. Our country and our world is still at a rolling boil. Like two and a half years ago, we got this pandemic thing. We had shutdowns. We had people losing jobs, losing businesses. 900,000 people died. For those two and a half years, this country was full of trauma and drama. And now this pandemic is starting to fade. It looks like we might see the end of this. I mean, I'm not counting on anything until it exactly happens that way, but it is looking better. And I'm sure a lot of us have said this whole two and a half year period has been very tough, but when the pandemic's over, things are going to get much easier. They're going to be much better. So here we are at the tail end. Things are getting better with the pandemic. But how about the country? How about the world? No, it's just as bad. It's just fucking different. We've got all kinds of things going on from uh, people trying to undermine democracy to a war in Ukraine. It seems like the drama never stops in this country. So some guy comes along, does a podcast, oh, like me, (laughs) And what he does is he spends the time during his podcast talking about all the worst shit in this world. Who would ever think somebody would would willingly listen to a podcast like that? I never would have. And the fact of the matter is when I did the podcast and I do the TikToks, I wasn't necessarily thinking about uh, followers or listeners or anything like that. I did it because I had certain feelings, a passion or Uh, an opinion on things, and I just wanted to get it out there. At first, I was just trying to exercise my First Amendment right, get it off my chest, and hopefully feel better. But as luck would have it, people started following me on TikTok and now listening to the podcast, and uh, we do spend a lot of time talking about negative shit. But I think it's important, because unfortunately in this world, there's a lot of negative shit, but there's a lot of bad and misinformation going on. So if we can come together and get to down to the point of real information, maybe we can address the situation, get people on the right page, make them knowing the proper things about some of these bad things, and hopefully that gets us closer to actually fixing something. Will it help us get closer to fixing it? I don't know. But I don't know that it won't, so let's fucking do it. <laughs> Anyway, we're going to talk about some of that bad shit that's going on in this country shortly. But, of course, I always ask folks, if you have questions, comments, or complaints, you can send me an email. You can send it directly to me. I get it. I'm the only one that opens it up. It's at rationalboomer at gmail.com. Ask me anything, complain about something, whatever you want to do. It doesn't matter. And if you want to leave a voicemail, you can do that by going to anchor.fm. That is the uh, site that hosts the podcast, look for Rational Boomer Podcast. You can leave a voicemail message there. And of course, as I've told you, I love hearing from you. I've got three emails. They're short ones, so that'll be good, uh, that I want to read to you. And it's it's funny. I talked about one time uh, the idea of somehow trying to uh, put together the concept of Republicans and Russians and Putin 
and tack that to the Republicans as kind of a um, a way of identifying who these fucks are in order to make it more difficult for them to be elected in November. And uh, I threw out a couple things. Some other people threw out a couple things. Now every day I'm getting emails of people with ideas. And I got to tell you, some of these ideas are great ideas. Some of them are just funny. And uh, others are very good. And I've got a few here that I want to pass along uh, from some folks that uh, wrote in. First one, it comes from Scott. He says, hello, Mike. I recently found the podcast and have been enjoying the program very much. I live in Raleigh, North Carolina, and I'm 55 years old. I've searched a long time for a show that represents or presents the facts without the drivel. And uh, the humor you throw in helps a lot. I listen back a few episodes to get a sense of you and and the show and love your version of the Republicans, whether it be Trumplicans or Trumplafucks. I think it's hilarious. Well, thank you very much, Scott. I appreciate that. Recently, you've called on the listeners to come up with a one-liner or a hashtag, and I've enjoyed the suggestions, as you have, and compressed them into a one-liner. I think works for what you're searching for. What if we call them uh, putlikins? I like that. That's short. It's to the point. kind of explains what we're trying to do. Or for the Rational Boomer podcast, you can call them Putlafox. <laughs> now, I really like that one because I, I, I came up with part of that. But uh, that, that's that's some good suggestions, as good a suggestions as we heard. He says, LOL, let me know what you think. Well, I'm telling you now, I think they're great suggestions. And I'm curious as to what other people think of some of these suggestions. So write in and let me know. He ends it by saying, best regards, Scott. Thank you very much, Scott, for listening and reaching out and participating. The next one comes from a gentleman by the name of Jim. He says, hi, Mike, love your podcast and TikToks. We could be great friends if you lived in Rochester, New York, LOL. Well, if you knew my dad, we could probably be fucking brothers for all I know. <laughs> Actually, I'm pretty easy to get along with unless you're a trumpler fuck or you're stupid because I, I have low threshold for stupidity. But uh, Jim here sounds like a bright guy, and you're probably right. If I lived in Rochester, you lived in Minnesota, we probably would be friends. Any catchphrases that includes part of Republicans and Patriots doesn't go together. I think the word should be uh, Republicans, which is uh, a kind of a variation on what Scott said, but that's a good one too, Republicans. kind of says it all. Now the last one comes from Don. And Don picked on picked up on something I, I say quite a lot. I think much to my kids' chagrin. Um, but he starts out by saying, Dude, LOL. Me again, Don from Michigan. I thought I'd take a stab at your hashtag idea. PQP. <laughs> now listen to this one. Putin. <laughs> Q-anus. <laughs> party. Putin Q-anus party. Yay or nay? I don't know if I have the power to say yay or nay. I like it. I like it. It's a little long, uh, but uh, it kind of says it all and gets the QAnon bullshit in there and pretty much uh, illustrates who they are. QAnus. <laughs> I have to concur. Thank you for that. Uh, and the Q obviously involves Trump's orange fucking ass too, LOL. Keep up the great work with the podcasts. And then he leaves a quote at the bottom. I like this. 
And I can't do the imitation of the character that said this, but you'll know as soon as you heard it, and I'll, I'll tell you where it came from. It says, I like the way you talk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> See, I didn't do the imitation very well, but that comes from Sling Blade, uh, and that comes to us from Don. Now, Sling Blade, I've, uh, I've watched, and it kind of fucking freaks me out. When I watched it the first time, I thought that, that Sling Blade guy freaks me out. Billy Bob Thornton, he's acting that one way too good. <laughs> he's looking too realistic. And that was a scary fucking show to me. I don't even know if it was supposed to be uh, scary. But uh, thank you for that. I appreciate it. Uh, <clears throat> your suggestion is point tanked. And uh, I think it's as valid as any of the other ones we've seen. We're, we're seeing that there's a lot of creative people in the audience, and they have different outlooks on things. And see, this kind of illustrates what I've said all along. You know, I do this show called the Rational Boomer Podcast. And uh, being one of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of Rational Boomers, I'm just a guy that has the microphone is talking about it. But there's a lot of you out there that are just as smart, just as creative, and uh just as able to communicate information. That's why I really enjoy the emails and the voicemails and all that sort of stuff. Uh, I'm going to try to do some more lives on TikTok, and hopefully that will give me a chance to talk directly to folks. But uh, your participation is much needed. I think it's very valuable to the program and valuable to everybody that listens. All right, let's, so, let's talk about what's going on. So far, Russia has fired 600 missiles in their invasion of the Ukraine. A senior U.S. defense official says that Russia has committed 95% of its amassed combat power inside Ukraine. Now, you have to understand what that means. That doesn't suggest that they have of everything they own in their arsenal in Russia. Basically, what it's saying is they've used 95% of what they brought to the party, to the war. Yet, so they, they're using up a lot of ammunition. They're running out of ammunition. They're running out of fuel. They're running out of food. And the reason that's happening is because they got arrogant. They got cocky, and they thought they'd come in and scare people out or just wipe them out, and that's not what happened. So they didn't plan very well. They got all this firepower, and they're, shooting off 600 missiles, like I said. Yet somehow they still have a 40-mile-long convoy that's been stalled for close to a week. This thing hasn't moved, again, because of no no ammunition, no, uh, uh, no food, and no gasoline. They have not yet achieved air superiority. Now, that's fucking crazy. How is that not possible? Ukraine doesn't have much of an air force. And um, Russia has quite a extensive air force. Apparently, there's been a lot of uh, ground-to-air missiles being used, and that's been part of it. I said in the last part, podcast, the day before that, a couple days ago, uh, Ukraine has shot down, what, uh, nine, uh, or well, I should say five planes and four helicopters in one day. That's what Ukraine did to Russia. And it's a total of about 44 uh, airplanes and 44 helicopters. That's pretty significant. And they have not been able to achieve air superiority. 
That is a big loss for Russia. They're expecting to take over the whole country in three, four days, and they haven't even got air superiority as yet. And, of course, we know they have plans and designs on overtaking Kiev, but in over a week's battle, they haven't done it. They haven't come close to—well, they've come close to Kiev, but they haven't come close to getting it overthrown. So suggesting that Russia has made a huge miscalculation is pretty much an understatement. I don't know if Russia is losing this war, but they sure as hell aren't winning. And they thought they would dominate. Russia has essentially blown their entire wad with using all the weapons and all the ammunition that they brought to this party. And uh, they're kind of in a no-win situation. You know, Vladimir Putin was cocky, went in there, thought he'd win easily. Now he's not going to win easily. And so what's he going to do? There's a lot of people talking about uh, maybe a coup in Russia. I don't know if that's possible. Then there's talking about him backing out or him being more um, more willing to negotiate. I, I, I don't know that. I mean, the only way this happens is if, uh, if Vladimir Putin can walk out of this and appear as though he won. And that's just not going to happen. He has not won. He's not even necessarily winning. And as I've said, the whole world knows he's a joke. The whole world knows that this Russian military is much weaker than we thought because they're not doing well against Ukraine. And we also know that Vladimir Putin is doing all he can to gaslight his people in Russia. That's all he really cares about, the support in Russia, making them believe that he's the hero, that he's all-powerful, and that he's winning this war, or maybe even already won this war. And since he controls the media, well, then, you know, it's a little hard to get the people to know what's going on. It's like the trouble fucks watching Fox. If that's all they know and that's all they watch, well, then they're uninformed. And if Vladimir Putin can purposely only provide the fake information, then that's all those people know. Well, I was kind of excited to hear about... um, hear about what what's actually going on. Now, if you're on TikTok or some of these other um, video apps, you'll be seeing um, comments and posts from Anonymous. And most of you know what Anonymous is. Well, we don't know what Anonymous is. That's the problem. But this is apparently a group of hackers that can go in and take down things. And we've been hearing a lot about Anonymous going into Russia and taking down government websites, which they have done, um, which is ironic because, of course, Russia is known for hacking into the United States, into Ukraine, and other parts of the world. That's part of their strategy, part of their war against the rest of the world. But I just heard a story. Now, I don't know if this is true. It came from a good source, a really good source. But I've had uh, information from a good source before that doesn't pan out. What I'm hearing is that the uh, hacker group, Anonymous, somehow hacked into Russian television. They broke into popular shows, popular programming, and instead of showing 
the show, they cut out the show, and they started showing video of the invasion of the destruction and death in Ukraine. Now, this poses a big problem for Vladimir Putin. Vladimir Putin is trying to make everybody believe that everybody in Ukraine is Nazis, that they're not attacking Ukraine, they're just fighting back because Ukraine came after them. But when you see dead people in the streets, buildings in uh, various cities of Ukraine blown up, well, that's a problem. People can see it with their own eyes, and they're going to have a different perception. And this is the big problem that that, uh, Vladimir Putin has. The biggest threat to his future is an uprising in Russia. If nobody has any confidence in him, And everybody hates the fact that he's attacking a friendly country, a country that has friends and family of people in Russia in it. Well, then he's got a problem. The entire country, while he's a dictator, when the entire country comes back at you, you have a problem. Then you'll find the military and the government and the oligarchs doing the same thing. Now, we're talking about this. And we have been talking about this. And we presume to understand how it all works. The fact is, we really don't. We don't know how well Vladimir Putin is insulated and how well protected he is. But we have hopes and dreams that somebody over there will get some common sense and understand the damage they're doing to their own country and to the rest of the world, and somebody will do something about it. I said before, I find it hard to imagine that we don't have some special forces group, either from America or one of the European countries, that can't somehow infiltrate and uh, make a change in Russia. But again, I'm talking out my ass. I don't know. I mean, all I know about that kind of stuff is the stuff I see in movies, so I'm not going to act like I'm the smartest guy in the room here. Well, I am the smartest guy in the room, as I've said before, because when I do the podcast, I'm in a room by myself, so I'm definitely the smartest guy. Certainly not the smartest guy amongst our listeners to this podcast or in this state or in this country or in this world. I'm just a guy with an opinion who has no problem spewing it out and trying to do the best I can to give you the information that's real as opposed to the bullshit you see in the media. So it's hard to say how this is all going to pan out and why it's happening this way. Uh, We will be talking about that more later on in the program. Now, Anonymous hasn't stopped there. They're attacking government websites. And uh, we're hearing that they attacked um, Russian TV and put on videos of the invasion just to inform people what's really going on as opposed to the bullshit that Vladimir Putin and his media are trying to sell them. But I'm glad to see that... uh, Anonymous has a little bit of a sense of humor. Now, we've also heard about the um, uh, hacker group Anonymous is doing something interesting with radar in Russia. (laughs) Somehow they've attacked, uh, attacked the Russian radar. And, you know, they really can't do anything to damage it or change it or whatever. Well, they do. They are changing it. But all they're doing is putting pictures of trolls in the middle of their radar. I mean, that that's really not that effective in doing anything, but it's funny. So when I hear about these things, whether they're interrupting television shows 
and putting on footage from the invasion or they're putting trolls on radar. I can't honestly say I know for sure that they're doing that. I don't know that that's true. But I will tell you this. I hope it's fucking true. I hope it's true because that's what you kind of need to do to Vladimir Putin. You need to hit him from all sides. They're crushing the economy. They're taking him off the stock market. Netflix won't even fucking run run programming in Russia anymore. You take everything away from them and then you taunt them because narcissists think they're the toughest guys in the world. And if you do something to hurt them, they want to threaten you. But if you're dealing with a, a hacker named Anonymous, it's a little hard to attack them if you don't know who the fuck they are. That's why I'm always excited to hear what Anonymous is doing. I just wish we had some way to verify it because it's one thing to say I've done this. It's funny, I've I, you know, in doing what I'm doing here, I look at uh, some of the right-side media, and I look at some of the left-side media. And I started to get some interesting things sent to me from Occupy Democrats. They have a Twitter page or something like that. And they came up with some very interesting stuff. And I go, wow, that would be cool to talk about, but I better verify it because I don't know who Occupy Democrats are. <clears throat> so I... Uh, I Googled them because, you know, that's what we fucking do. I said, uh, how reliable is Occupy Democrats? Turns out Occupy Democrats is very unreliable. They deal a lot with clickbait, things that aren't true, things that aren't real. So they could actually disseminate something that's perfectly real, perfectly honest, but nobody in the right mind would take it seriously because they have such a bad track record. And that's an unfortunate thing. They, they had some very tasty, sexy things to talk about that would make an interesting conversation. You know, but that's what they do. They create things that are clickbait, get people to join in. They start talking about bullshit, and uh, many people believe it. Now, as far as I'm concerned, we see that on the right side media and on the Internet, on the radical right and just the right. They're spewing stuff that isn't true, and they're getting people to believe it. That's a bad thing. But i got to be honest. When I find Democratic or liberal sites that do the same thing, just do it for clickbait, will lie, will make things up, that's when I have a problem with both sides. I don't want to listen to any one of them. They just muck up what's going on in this world. They confuse it for so many people, and if that's all you hear, well, that's all you believe, and now you believe bullshit. And the more people in this country that believe bullshit, the less chance we have to getting this back to normal. You know, it's a, it's a weird thing with the news in this country. I always hearken back to my younger days in the 60s and even the 70s to a certain extent. The news was a very dry thing. It wasn't very exciting to watch. I mean, if there were big stories, of course, everybody huddled around the TV to see it. But it was never told in a dramatic or story-like way. It was very dry, very direct, and only the facts. People will bring up Walter Cronkite, Huntley and Brinkley, you know, people like that. And those people weren't the most exciting th- people. They weren't on the, uh, on the pages of magazines doing thirst traps. They were older men generally. And because um, back then, of course, women couldn't deliver the news. It would be only the men. 
and that's what it was. But at least they were straightforward, and they didn't um, have any part of flavoring these stories. It was just the facts, and you could listen to it. Now, there is no such thing like that in this country. It's all tilted one way or another, and we have no kind of cohesiveness when it comes to the news. I can be sitting next to somebody at a restaurant, and we would have two totally different views of what's going on in America, not because we were necessarily different people, but because we got different information that we allegedly trust. I'm sitting next to a guy from Fox. I can say something, and they'll legitimately say, I never heard anything about it, even though it is the most obvious and egregious thing that could ever happen. And the same would be for me when I hear what they say. The only thing is, I know they are talking bullshit for the most part, so I can just bet everything they say is going to be a fallacy. But, But the question is, who to blame for this? And the who to blame for this is us. It's really fucking us. Because we become more of a consumer of tabloid-type information, or gossip, if you will. We want the funny, cool stuff or scandalous stuff. We're too bored with the facts. We just want the scandalous stuff. You can tell us some facts, but if there's some nasty scandal behind it, then we're interested in it. But other than that, we really don't. Now, the media's learned this. They know what you like. And their goal is only to get as many viewers or followers or listeners as they can so they in turn can make some money, more money. So they're just catering to what we ask for, what we desire, what we react to. So when it comes down to bitching about the media, and I bitch about the media all the time because they have very little integrity, very little credibility, whether we're talking about the left or the right. They're misinforming people or they're not informing them about things they should let them know. They only let them know about the sexy, scandalous things. So we as a a country and we as a, a group of people in this country, we've kind of um, um, degraded what we know about what's going on, mainly because we don't want to know the real shit. We want to know the cool shit, the scandalous shit, the shit we can tell each other and be appalled by it. And that clouds everything about the facts. So we have a country that's horribly misinformed on both sides. And that's really where the problem is. Now, the media is at fault for doing it and following up on it, but they are just a business and they're trying to make as much money as they want. I mean, if you open an ice cream store and you find out that 99% of the people buy chocolate ice cream, well, then you're going to sell mostly fucking chocolate ice cream because you want to keep the lights on, keep the rent paid, and make some money. And that's what the media is doing. You can't look at the media as some lofty organization that's looking out for our best interests because they're not. They're like everybody else in this country. They're like everybody else in our fucking government. They are only looking out for themselves, and they're only looking at ways to make a lot of money for themselves. So, how do you fix that problem? I don't know that you can. I mean, people are people. They've been conditioned to accept bullshit and be bored with truth and facts and righteousness. 
I don't know how you fix that. The only way you can fix that is over time. And then it's going to take a brave media outlet to provide that information and take the risk of going down in flames because everybody else will be watching everybody else and not looking at the fact-based media because they're not fun to watch. They're not exciting. They're not giving you a story that you can go tell somebody and they'll be appalled. It's a troubling situation. It's the degradation of this country. People will kind of throw away the media, but the media is important in this country. The media is what educates the average person. And if they're being ill-educated, then we have fucking problems. And we have way too many media outlets that don't care about giving you facts or truth. They are just entertaining you and trying to get you to react. We'll see what happens with that. Um, We've got bigger problems, bigger fish to fry at this point, but that's certainly an issue we need to look at. All right, let's take a break. We'll be right back. So Vladimir Putin is obviously struggling, struggling with this war in Ukraine. He's actually gotten into deep and not sure how to get out of it without looking weak. And of course, that's something he's just not willing to do. Again, I'll just go over this quickly. He's a bully. His first step was to stand on the border, thinking everybody would shake in their boots and run away. Didn't happen. So he thought he'd take another step, double down, go into uh, um, Ukraine and invade. And then surely they'll shake in their boots and run away. But again, that didn't work. So he has to triple down. And he starts bombing places and killing people and doing horrible things. And that doesn't do it. So now he has to quadruple down. And then we start hearing um, President Zelensky begging for America or the EU to put up these no-fly zones over Ukraine. They want the U.S. and the EU to join in the fight as well, maybe put boots on the ground and fight against the uh, Russians. I got to tell you, now if that happened... If the EU, the NATO countries, and America put up a no-fly zone and put boots on the ground and fought against the Russians, this would end pretty quickly. The NATO countries and United States and the air superiority, they would shut this down in a fucking New York second because NATO and U.S. have far more troops, just as much if not more firepower, probably a little better planning. But by doing that, see how everybody says, I don't know why the U.S. doesn't get involved. You have to understand, by doing that, it would essentially provoke World War III. So the U.S. and the EU will not, under any circumstances, make that move. The prospect of World War III and nuclear war is just that untenable. Nobody's going to come out a winner in a nuclear war. Now, Vladimir Putin knows this too. So maybe he's just pushing it. Maybe he's playing uh, chicken. See who chickens out first. But you would have to expect that if it got down to uh, the bottom line and we'd have to go to nuclear war, that anybody with common sense, even Vladimir Putin, would pull back. Because we know with nuclear war, it's about uh, uh, mutually uh, mutual self-destruction. That's 
we, we all know that's what it is. If you look at any computer programs that play out a nuclear war, not many people live, and what's left over is not worth thinking about. People always try to talk. Some of these preppers will say, how do you survive a nuclear war? This is what we're doing. We're buying a bunch of potatoes. We're digging a hole in the ground. I got to tell you what, if we're in the middle of a nuclear war, you don't want to fucking survive because what's left over isn't going to be worth living for. I hate to sound like I'm fatalistic here, but that is such an ominous and scary thing to have done uh, to one's country or a couple of countries or the world for that matter that there would really be no reason to continue. There would be nothing left. And, um, you know, with radiation and all those sorts of things, if the blast didn't get you, something else would. So we need to avoid that as much as possible. And to be perfectly honest with the EU, the NATO countries, with the USA, by begging off the no-fly zone and begging off sending troops in, That is truly the right move, the best move for this country. It's hard to see Ukraine being devastated like they are, but truly the best choice is they stay out of it because we don't know the mindset of Vladimir Putin. Theoretically, he might take it to the brink, then back off because he thinks better of it. That is, of course, if Vladimir Putin is of a right mind. Now, if he's crazy like some people think, We might be walking into a trap by getting sucked into a war with Russia. Because there's another angle to look at this with. Something else to consider. Putin is in a bad spot. What he may be doing by committing all these crimes and provoking the U.S. and uh, EU and NATO and such, he's probably, he could be provoking them to get involved so that he can have, um, that he can improve his PR problems back at home. See, they're mean, they're vicious, they're coming after us. They they provoked us, they did this, they did that. That may be why he's complaining about the sanctions and the no-fly zones. He wants some fodder or uh, an excuse to go back to his people and say, see, these people are coming after us. We have to fight with them. But it may also be giving him an excuse to attack NATO countries, maybe even the U.S., You see, we know that Vladimir Putin wants to somehow reform the Soviet Union. And some of these NATO countries were part of the Soviet Union. Now, the only way he's going to get them back, if that's truly what he wants to do, is by attacking them and doing what he's doing to Ukraine to to them. I think seeing what he's doing in Ukraine, I can't imagine he's going to try it elsewhere unless he's fucking crazy. And then if he's crazy and sick and dying or something, he doesn't give a shit if the world dies because he's going too. So who's to say he doesn't do something stupid or something crazy or something no leader would ever do? Therein lies the problem. Everybody, including Republicans, will say, oh, we're just chickens because we're not going in to fight. No, you don't understand. We don't want to do that as hard as it is to look at and see what could be lost is far bigger than what's going on in Ukraine. And if your actions create a bigger problem, kill more people, then you don't make that move. It's real easy to say, I'm the tough guy, I'm going to come and save Ukraine. 
and I wish somebody would. But unfortunately, the risk is too high. And the state of mind of Vladimir Putin, we don't know. Maybe he is just playing chicken. Maybe he is just trying to play us here. But if he's not, and he's crazy or he's mad enough, who's to say what he's going to do? Who's to say he's not going to press the button? We've got nukes coming to the U.S., to Canada, to EU, or we have them going to him. Even if we had 100 more, 100% more nukes than, than, uh, you, the, the, uh, than Russia, it'd still be a fucking wash. We'd all be done for one way or another. So as much as it is hard to watch what's going on in Ukraine, America and NATO countries just cannot afford to get into battle with Russia. It's just not worth World War III. Now, I wanted to talk about something else here. Um, We need to talk about this new DA in Manhattan District. I've talked about this a couple of times. Now, the story goes that Cyrus Vance in the Manhattan District, they're investigating Donald Trump and the Trump Organization. Now, then Vance retires, and a new guy comes in, Alvin Bragg, takes his place. Then two prosecutors that were hired by Vance that were very powerful working on the Trump investigation all of a sudden resigned because Elvin Bragg had decided not to prosecute Donald Trump. Not surprisingly, there was a fair amount of outrage when people were hearing this. Now, at that point, we hadn't really heard all the details. We just heard this as a rumor. We didn't know really what happened. We didn't know if somebody was just making an assumption, well, those two prosecutors quit. That must mean that Alvin Bragg isn't willing to go after Donald Trump. So I looked at some other options, you know, whether it was just a new guy coming in and wanting to put his stamp on it, get rid of the prosecutors from Cyrus Vance, bring in his own prosecutors, and then take off from there and continue with the investigation. But then we get a story from the New York Times, and uh, we're getting more specific information and information from people that are respectable reporters that have credibility. And they're saying, no, in fact, that uh, Alvin Bragg did have some question about going further with the investigation of Donald Trump. In fact, he had delayed or stopped bringing witnesses to the grand jury, the grand jury that Cyrus Vance brought to do the investigation and look at certain things that were um, potentially uh, illegal by Donald Trump. But from what we're hearing now, uh, Alvin Bragg really was thinking like that, thinking he didn't have a case against Donald Trump. Now, let's be perfectly honest about a couple of things. When you hear this, I get a I get a comment from people, well, they're just dropping the charges on Donald Trump and uh, it's a why he got out of it again. That's not quite true. In fact, that's not at all true. Let's see what the Manhattan District has done so far. They have indicted the entire Trump organization, which is almost a death knell for any company to be indicted. They also indicted his CFO. Now, I will give his CFO, Alan Weisselberg, some credit. He hasn't He hasn't caved, and he hasn't uh, uh, testified against Trump. So with Trump in the position he's in, 
there's some question as to whether he can be prosecuted. Now, the two prosecutors that worked and were hired by Vance seemed to think there was enough to get him convicted beyond a reasonable doubt. But when you're trying to investigate a president or the head of a company who has other people doing things, apparently there are some difficulties in proving that they were actually hands-on doing something wrong. Now, make no mistake, I think that was the case. We know that Donald Trump has his hands on everything. We know that Cyrus Vance thought there was a case and they could proceed. We know the two prosecutors uh, thought it was good enough to go and get the the, uh, indictment and uh, have a trial. But then Alvin Bragg comes in and he says, well, I don't know. I'm not feeling it as much. Now, some things can come into play here. Uh, He's a new DA. This is a very touchy situation. And um, maybe he just wants to keep hands off of it, and he doesn't want to get involved. Um, But that said, the important thing to remember here is that even if they don't investigate Donald Trump, there's still a lot of shit going on that will affect Donald Trump. For instance, his company being indicted. If this company gets convicted for whatever reason, they'll be bankrupt and they'll be gone, and Donald Trump will no longer have a company. Even the fact that it's been indicted without being convicted, it's not likely that company is going to last because nobody's going to want to deal with a company uh, that has been indicted. Nobody's going to want to borrow money to a company that's been indicted. And if you've got nobody wanting to deal with you and you can't get any kind of money, uh, whether the government shuts you down or not, you're going to shut down because you can do absolutely fucking nothing. So that's still going on. That can't change. That's already been indicted and already looking at trial for that. What Alvin Bragg did, if he did that and said, I don't want to pursue Donald Trump, that doesn't change anything with the uh, Trump organization and the CFO and anybody else that they're looking at. The problem, the problem with Donald Trump, apparently, it's all about intent. And I never understood that because whenever they arrest somebody like us, um, they say, you did this wrong, you're going to jail. They don't say, well, you could go to jail if you're really meant to do it. I mean, what were your intentions? And then, of course, <clears throat> you'd say, well, I didn't mean to do it. It was purely accidental. And... Uh, That's going to get me off. It's not going to get me off. It's not going to get you off. But apparently at the higher levels with CEOs and uh, former presidents, apparently the intent is just as important as the act. I always thought that uh, ignorance was no excuse for the law. Even if you didn't know the law existed, if you broke the law, you fucking broke the law. It goes back to what we've said before and what... Um, Merrick Garland has said, and other people have said, that no one's above the law. But here in this situation, we're seeing that clearly somebody is above the law, and that happens to be a former president of the United States. So I'm not sure where Bragg's head is here. I'm sure he's looking at this as controversial, or maybe he's been paid off, or maybe he's been threatened, or whatever. We know none of that is beneath Donald Trump. Donald Trump will do whatever he can to get whatever he can. But here's the other funny thing about it. It's one thing to say, yeah, you know, I don't think we can pursue pursue Donald Trump. 
But the other part of it is he's not been very transparent about this. Like, for example, they should probably release the uh, resignation letters from the two prosecutors so we can see what the truth is and why they left. But for whatever reason, Alvin Bragg is not willing to release them. He's holding them back. So you only have to uh, consider that there's something in those letters that might be harmful to the DA or to the Manhattan District. And there there we have some problems. Now, when Alvin Bragg was running for this office, knowing Cyrus Vance would be retiring, he talked extensively and was asked extensively about the Trump uh, investigation. He made it known that he's worked in situations where he sued Donald Trump on a civil level, that he would be strongly going after the Donald, Donald Trump and his organization if you elected him into office. And now he's elected into office, and now he's demurring from this whole situation. That certainly sounds fishy. And if what we know to date is true, that uh, that's something that has to be considered. He should maybe look at resigning because he's not serving the people the way he said he would. Um, <clears throat> he's shirking his duties. Or there has to be some kind of process for getting him out of there. I don't know if somebody can be impeached. Uh, at that level as a DA, or if they just get fired, or what have you. I mean, I think theoretically, while Merrick Garland isn't his boss, um, they're both on the federal level, and Merrick Garland is the attorney general, I think he could probably put some pressure on him. I don't know if that's ethical or not, but I know Donald Trump's uh, AG, William Barr, did that same thing, and it had some valuable effects. But as I look at this situation, it looks very fishy. Now, people will say, you flip-flop about this. First, you say it's Alan, uh, Alvin Bragg and he's messing up. Then you say, well, it could be this or it could be that. And all of that is true. It could have been those things. And I told you at that point, I don't honestly know. I have no inside track to what's going on there. I can only go by the information I see. And then it's a matter of taking that information and trying to figure out and decipher whether it's legitimate and credible information or just bullshit, because there's way too much bullshit being thrown around. So as it comes out, I look at it. I only know what I know. I make a judgment. I find something else, then maybe I change my judgment. And then when the real information comes out and there's actual fact backing it up, I have to flip back to what I originally thought. So it goes back to what I said about the media and uh, what's going on. The media controls so much, they can feed us stuff that may or may not be true. And if we don't know if it's true or not, it's hard to discern what, what the fuck is going on. And they're going to uh, continue to do that. But I know people are really upset. Oh, Donald Trump's going to get away with everything. Now, let's just say the worst happens. And Alvin Bragg doesn't pursue a prosecution of Donald Trump. And, you know, that's possible. There's a lot of sticking points there and a lot of loopholes you can get through. And somebody like Alvin Bragg, a new DA, doesn't want to take something to court that he thinks he's going to lose because then that's a mark against him. I mean, it's sad that justice has to be weighed against somebody's personal ego, but unfortunately, that's the way our system fucking works, and it's bullshit. But um, 
He needs to be held accountable for this. He needs to be responsible. If he's going to make this decision, he needs to stand up and tell us exactly why, release the resignation letters, and let the chips fall where they may. My guess is he won't do that. He just <clears throat> he just won't do it. And in addition to all of that, as I'm saying, he's not being very transparent. He could tell us why. He could release the the notes, but he's not doing that. So all we can do is be suspicious of Alvin Bragg, the DA of the Manhattan District. And that's not a good position for him to be in either. Now, he's in an elected office, but he just got elected, so he's got some time. He can change the information down the road if he wants to. But we need to apply pressure to this clown. We need to let him know that this isn't acceptable and he needs to give us some answers. Same can be said for Merrick Garland. He's got a lot of stuff on his tab- on his um, plate right now. We're hearing about the prospect of, uh, of course, uh, the House Select Committee may be referring criminal charges from Donald Trump to the DOJ, assuming we find out what happens with this court filing that they made. Going back to that, of course, they want to get... Uh, um, uh, the, uh, the 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 lawyer um, that was Trump's lawyer that had all these emails that they want to get, and he didn't want to give it because he has privilege. And of course, now what they're doing is is uh, at a court filing. Now in this court filing, there's a lot of things that they're suggesting that are criminal activities by Donald Trump, and they show some proof. So assuming that judge says, okay, you can get the emails. That would suggest they see the similar evidence of guilt. And at that point, uh, the House Select Committee would refer it to the DOJ. And then Merrick Garland and the DOJ has to take a strong look at whether they're going to indict the the former president of the United States. Nobody wants to be the first one to do it because it's unprecedented. They don't know what's going to come out of it, if it's going to go badly for them. If they lose the case, then it's even worse. So the first one to put out an indictment against Donald Trump is going to have to be the brave one. They'll be taking the first deadly step. Now, after that's done, you're probably going to see a race to the for the uh, second group to indict Donald Trump because somebody already broke the barrier. They took the chance, and now they're going to feel safer. This is how it's going to go with Donald Trump. But what you need to remember, too, is that it's not just this situation with this Manhattan district and these financial crimes in his company. We have all the things surrounding January 6th, and that's where that referral will come from to go to the DOJ. That's a totally separate thing. We've got what's going on in Georgia, too. There's going to be a grand jury for that, and we don't know where that's headed. Problem is, Donald Trump is uh, surrounded at all sides with crimes and potential indictments. One thing is going to get him, and one thing is all we need to stick. Because once that one thing happens, that one indictment, then the walls come crumbling down, and there will be a shit show of indictments. Everybody will jump on board. Nobody has courage to be the first one, but they sure as hell want to be the second one because somebody else took the chance. Now, As we wrap up this uh, Rational Boomer podcast, I want to bring something up about Democrats and Republicans. And Republicans are an interesting group because they say one thing, but they don't mean that thing. And I'll give you an example. 
Here's something interesting with the Republicans. Now, they're always screaming and mad at the Democrats about inflation and high gas prices, right? I mean, that's the one thing a Trumplican will say to you. How do you like those gas prices? Even though Joe Biden has no bearing on the gas prices. But they will say that. Now, Joe, as president of the United States, wants to do something to fix inflation and specifically fix gas prices, drop them considerably. And he has the ability to do that by suspending the federal taxes on gas. Now, if you're thinking to yourself, well, that's no big deal. You have no idea how much federal tax is on gas. It's a lot. And if they suspended the federal tax on gas, at least for a time until we get through this problem, uh, it would have a significant drop in gas prices, which is what we all want and which is what the Republicans are bitching about. So you would think the Republicans would be all on board with this. Turns out they're not. They're trying to block it. They're voting against it. They're talking badly about it. Joe Biden wants to take off the federal taxes, and Republicans say, no, you can't do that. That would be terrible. Keep them on. So this is a perfect illustration of Republicans. They want people to believe that they're working for this country and for the people, when in fact they're working against this country and against these people. You don't like inflation? Well, let's do something about it. It's funny, the Republicans haven't made any suggestions about how to bring inflation down or gas prices down. Neither neither of these things is the fault of Joe Biden. I don't care what anybody says. You want to argue with me about it? I'd be happy to do it. But I guarantee you, you're going to fucking lose because you're wrong. And at this point, it doesn't really matter whose fault it is. It's impacting all of us. It's taking money out of our pockets. So the natural thing would be to do something about it. And that's what Joe Biden's trying to do. It doesn't cost us anything. It just saves us money. It suspends the federal taxes on gas. It should be an easy, easy decision. Everybody should want to do this to make it better. Uh, for their pocketbooks and make it cheaper for gas. But somehow, some way, Republicans don't want to do that. And the problem is they don't want to do anything for the country. They don't want to do anything for the people. We've seen that over the last five, six years. All they do is obstruct. They have no platform. They have no policies. They have no interest in doing anything but blocking Democrats by owning the Democrats. So if you're a Republican and you support the way Republican politicians are now, well, then you're just a fucking idiot. You're really not paying attention. All you really have to do is look at the record for uh, the Senate or the legislature and see what the Republicans have done. The only thing I can possibly pick out that they've done is given that tax break of $2 trillion to the rich. They gave us crumbs, but that was taken back, and now we're back to paying normal prices. We had a tax uh, child tax credit that took 50% of all children out of poverty. We could have kept that going. We should have kept that going. Isn't that one thing this government should do? Protect the innocent children, keep them um, able to eat and be housed and clothed. But no, they're against that too. They're not for anything and they're against everything. And if you think that's beneficial to you, if you like these kinds of people representing you, well, then either you're stupid or you're part of the problem. You're part of the uh, conspiracy, if you will. 
And it's hard to talk to these people. They kept saying, no, nobody wants, why are you giving them a free ride? Well, why are you giving the rich a free ride with a $2 trillion tax cut? You don't bitch about that, but the poor people or the middle class people who deserve some help, that's where you have your problems. So hopefully Joe Biden and Congress can get this worked out. Why not suspend the federal uh, taxes on gas? Here's the ironic thing. By Joe Biden doing this, he would be essentially cutting taxes. Isn't that what the Republicans say they love? Isn't that what they say they want to do? But somehow on this one, they're not for it. They're against it. You're dealing with people that are disingenuous, that are lacking of credibility and integrity. And that's who the Republican Party is at this point. All right, we're going to wrap up the Rational Boomer podcast. want to thank you very much for spending the time you do with me. Um, Have yourself a great day, and we'll be talking to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.